Welcome to the Moms for Social Justice podcast, where we talk about how you can make your community a more awesome place. In this episode, Mari, Taylor, and I talk about something that we're really passionate about, and that was also sort of the catalyst for Moms for Social Justice, how to get your kids involved with donating their time to causes they care about. We discuss how to look for safe and local volunteer opportunities, alternative ways that they can give, and the lifelong educational impact that can occur when learning from others that may be outside your kids' regular day-to-day interactions. We also just want to emphasize how important it is to acknowledge to your kids the larger systems or structures at play and making sure that you are uplifting the stories and experiences of others, never belittling or degrading folks. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey, hey, MSJ, Taylor here, and welcome to the Moms for Social Justice podcast. We are a progressive grassroots organization started right here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We encourage parents to fight for positive and social change in their own backyard, because we know that's where we can make the most impact. We've got three of us here today. We own leadership. We have myself. I'm Taylor. I'm Mari. I'm Rosie. So, you know, before we jump into our topic, which today we're going to talk about basically, you know, this season of giving and and the notion that we all feel inclined and the desire to give back in some way, whether that is, you know, monetarily or with um, our time or our skill sets. Uh, and, and those of us who are parents like to try to impart these values to our kids, why it's important that we, you know, give what we can when we can. So we want to talk about some of the ways that we can do that, uh, some of the things that our organization has done, uh, things that we've seen in and around our community, and perhaps, you know, some of the things that we can try to avoid because, you know, I know that I feel this way, you guys jump in if you do too, that this time of year, there seems to be uh, an abundance and and in some ways almost a a predatory um, approach at charitable giving where you don't really know know, what you're being asked to donate to, where that donation is going to go, if the values of said organization align with your own. So it can be overwhelming um, to the to the extent that sometimes you just don't because you don't know where right. to start or where the best place is. Feeling to get paralyzed. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, but before we want to jump into that, you know, we like to start with a, a section about what's on our heart and minds at the moment, just to kind of do a little check-in of where where we're at personally. So Mari, do you want to start and tell us you know, where I see butterflies in your background and that's making me happy. What, what's on your heart today? Bugs always make me happy. <laughs> this past weekend was uh, the nutcracker for many families, but uh, my, yes, uh, my daughter was in it for the sixth year in a row. And it's just lovely seeing people involved in the arts and you know it made me think about how important storytelling is in our world and that you know I just think it's cool that we went from you know telling stories around a fire maybe to you know films or television shows or podcasts or something like you know the ballet that's still around and kicking (laughs) pun intended So yeah, it was just, it was a lovely experience. It was fun, you know, being behind the scenes with my daughter and seeing all the hard work that all the dancers put into it. And then, you know, watching it and watching my son who's seven, watch his sibling perform and just a really, a really lovely experience. That's, that's a really, I don't know, heartwarming thing and and very, I don't know, apropos of this season. I love the Nutcracker, too, and I always had such fond memories of going as a kid. So I can imagine as a mom what a cool thing that is to see, you know, your daughter. And I feel like you are the perfect 
type of, of stage mom. Like, I, you know, you have in your, in your mind these, you know, really overbearing and extra Intense. Dan- dance moms. Right. Dance moms. And I just have this vision that you are just encouraging. Oh, it'll be okay. You're going to do great. Yes. I said that a few times yesterday. <laughs> it'll be okay. You got this. Yeah. Well, thank well, you. we got to see your daughter perform, and she did a fantastic job. Thank the you. performance was lovely. My daughter really enjoyed it. My six-year-old son, <laughs> he struggled. Occasionally, he would like look up because mostly he was just like turned away in my lap. Occasionally, he would look up and he'd say, "Mom, I know this song," and then he would go back to like not watching it. But <laughs> but my daughter loved it. I Ballet will say tough for for young it kids. It is tough. Even my son, who was. Watching his sister the entire time, basically. She was almost on stage the whole thing. He's still, is this the last song? <laughs> Aww, and it was, no. and it's like an abbreviated version, too. <laughs> right. I, I was goodness. like looking at the story of the Nutcracker, and what a weird story. <laughs> it is, it really is strange. It is <laughs> so strange. And it's, we have like at least seven picture books about the Nutcracker and they're all slightly different. Sometimes the, you know, the main female lead is Clara. Sometimes it's Marie, just so many differences. And I will say though, I like that it's not religious in nature. It's just like, Oh wow. It's a weird wooden man. The people in the 1800s were also on drugs. I mean, they were. I'm like, who dreamed this up? But I mean, that's, I mean, that's in their cool. defense, what else was there to do? What else was there? To, well, there was a lot to do, actually. You well, had to wash true. all the clothes by hand. But it's not like it's not like they were doing it. That's right? true. Right. They yeah, were yeah. People do it for yes, them. That's right. True. right. Yeah. Which, no, I think I think the Nutcracker is really interesting that it's become this like annual tradition I mean to to be fair like there's a lot of different roles and so it gives dance companies and dance schools Mm -hmm. opportunity to kind of showcase what the the company members or the students have been learning all year because there's lots of yeah different I don't know and there's all these different like costumes and Mm -hmm. stuff like that but yeah as a mouse king randomly a mouse king a snow queen a fairy with a giant skirt fairies (laughs) yeah but what what cracks me up is like we're talking about how weird this story is right yes and this year I'm sure you you both were hip to the the huge controversy that Target had the gay nutcracker (laughs) that I almost bought Oh, yeah. But I thought that Nutcracker was adorable, but it cracked me up how out of their minds people were getting about it. And I am I was thinking, like, hey, the Nutcracker is already just very, you know, flamboyant and wild and beautiful. Mm-hmm. How and many of I'm the dancers? I'm pretty sure Tchaikovsky was oh. AF. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if you're in any, in any sort of performing arts arena yeah. you know it's just like the yeah. people that are in that arena often are queer mm-hmm. and you know people are just more accepting of that so i so don't know bring it's, on the, the bring queer on the nutcracker. queer nutcracker yep. bring on the gay nutcracker that's Crack. what i want to see next Chomp year on some nuts is the queer nutcracker <laughs> okay okay <laughs> rosie what is on your heart okay queer nutcrackers <laughs> Um, well, I I have been slowly chipping away at this huge video game. Uh, it feels like all year. I know it hasn't been all year, but I finished Final Fantasy 16. So anyway, now I have the opportunity to dive back into playing some indie games, which I love indie games. Um, right now, I'm, I started playing Death Store, which is a, you play as a little uh, crow. And anyway, you're trying to reap souls, these uh, like three souls that have been escaping death for a long time. And, you know, like the moral of the story is that all life ends and that's why it makes it awesome. Um, and I was just thinking about like all of the other cool indie games that uh, I've played in the past. And so my daughter also started a new game. Um, it's called Tisha, I think. I'm going to I'm going to butcher it. T-C-H-I-A. Um, and it's kind of a like Zelda Breath of the Wild exploration type game, but it's based on the culture of New Caledonia, um, which I think is uh, like off the coast of Australia. And so they worked, they had like 
voice actors from that region do all of the voices and in- incorporate different like cultural references and practices throughout the game, which I thought was really cool. It does, you know, the world that it takes place is completely fictional and mystical and magical, but it's based on this culture and uh, these people and just trying to like share that culture with other people. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was really cool, and I love indie games for you know these small these small groups of developers or even just like one or two people wanting to bring a story or a culture to the world that they're not seeing in these like huge budget games. I mean, another one that I can think of that I've loved is called Secret Little Haven. And it, you play it. It's if you if you were on the internet in the like early, you know, or sorry, mid '90s. Um, basically, the entire game like takes place on a computer interface. So like you're you're like logging into AOL and like checking your <laughs> message boards and stuff like that. And you realize like the character that you're playing playing as is a trans girl and is going through the process of like discovering um, what that means. And also combating uh, family who are against this while making connections with, like, friends and, you know, finding chosen family who believe and, you know, help you figure that out. Um, so, yeah, I love indie games for that reason, yeah. for, like, bringing these uh, more interesting, maybe more, like, niche stories to light that are still really important and powerful. Well, and I love that that's, you know, a hobby that you share with your daughter now and maybe your son when he gets a little bit older that's a cool thing that you guys mm-hmm. can kind of in, enjoy and explore together oh yeah we're definitely a gaming, <laughs> a gaming family uh, yeah my son definitely <laughs> enjoys it a lot too they've they've both been playing a uh, lego the fortnite re- released a mod lego fortnite it's actually oh, a, yes. like a whole separate game so my son that too together. <laughs> yes it's very fun i don't understand it i've never played fortnite though but <laughs> it looks fun yeah it looks fun. I, yeah, I like the, the more indie games. And it's, you know, we were talking about storytelling with the Nutcracker and like video games is a really unique storytelling format because you kind of get to become part of the story and maybe control where it goes a little more so than choose your own adventure books, which I also loved as a kid. But yeah, it's just another awesome form of storytelling. Yes, and also usually very weird, and that's yeah. We love weird. <laughs> uh, Taylor, what's been on your heart? Just a a very general and boring holiday. Heartwarming is I had my entire extended family in my house this weekend, and when I was starting my family, I really envisioned what holidays would look like. And I really wanted to kind of create the McAllister house from home alone. I wanted <laughs> screaming children and, you know, soda Pepsi, being flung. Flint, yeah. And, yeah. Cheese you know, pizza. Exactly. Cheese pizza being little up against jerk. the window. Yep. I wanted that kind of energy, that, that kind of chaos mm-hmm. in my home. Cause it felt that felt alive, that felt, you know, magical mm-hmm. to me. And now that I have done that, uh, and I did it this past weekend, I can say that it is, it's a mixed bag because I do, it. I do love it. Mm-hmm. And it does feel alive and magical, but I also just have, you know, an extra appreciation for uh, the mothers in those stories because it <laughs> is, it's a lot of work and it is just a lot of hurting cats. Yeah, why was it her fault that Kevin was left behind? I know. Yeah, I always, like, watching it, that movie now, I always look back and think, like, why is the dad so fine with his kid being home alone? And It'll be fine. He'll be fine. He'll He's be fine. eight. And then he gets home, and do you remember what he says? You're such a funny little guy. I know. And then walks away immediately. Like, he hugs him, and it's like, okay. Yeah. And then he goes and finds a gold tooth. I'm like, this is not... There would be, like, crying, and everyone's like, oh, yeah, you did you did great. You didn't burn the house down. And it's like... Good job, champ. Champ. <laughs> Sport. Sport. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a wonderful weekend of cousin love and bonding, and then... You know, also having both of my siblings here in the house, we are still in the pretty early stages of, you know, grieving the loss of a parent. So what I am finding is 
holidays are kind of a mixed bag when you're grieving. It's also, uh, it's simultaneously healing and and joyful, but also really hard. Mm -hmm. And to be able to share, you know, those feelings and those experiences with my brothers who are also going through their own grieving process was just a really special thing for me so I'm glad you all got to spend that time together and it's really cool um and I just have to live with the fact that my floor is going to be sticky Mm -hmm. probably until Christmas yeah (laughs) probably a little after Christmas it's a small price to pay there is Well, and I hope I hope that they express appreciation for as one of the queens of Christmas for all <laughs> of that you've done to like yeah help create the those memories for them and their kids too. One hundred percent. I got a whole lot of appreciation as well. Oh, that's as good. A lot of teasing because that's what brothers do. I'm so I'm so excited to talk about this today because you know. A huge part of why we started MSJ is that we wanted to find a way to make positive change in our community, to get, you know, involved in different, helping out other organizations, uplifting other organizations and partnering, you know, with different people working in our community. We knew that as individuals, you sometimes get stunted or you don't know where to get started and so really that was one of the biggest reasons that we started this organization back in 2017 is like what if we all got together collectively we knew that we could start initiatives Mm -hmm. that that make positive change and lend our volunteer efforts to other people doing good work so we really wanted to talk about that today I mean, do you guys feel more of an impulse to donate your time and monetarily during this time of year? For sure. (laughs) I mean, they have the, you know, Salvation Army people ringing a bell in front of all of the stores. And Mm -hmm. there's Giving Tuesday. Food drives. Food drives and Christmas toy drives and yeah there's lots of I mean the good thing is there's lots of opportunities um to volunteer or donate and sometimes Mm -hmm. during the rest of the year those opportunities are harder to find but it's also hard to like find the time or money to do these while you're also trying to you know do stuff with your own family and take care of your own family so exactly um, yeah. you, feel, you feel like you're being pulled a lot of different directions. Agreed. Yeah, so and that I was my next question. Like, do you find yourself feeling overwhelmed with the, with the different asks? I, feel, I don't feel as overwhelmed because I've made a boundary in, in that, like, well, I do stuff throughout the whole year. So I don't feel, mm-hmm. as, I don't feel the guilt, I guess, that maybe some other people feel of like, oh, like I should do this. And like, here's the cool thing about volunteering and like donating and stuff. Like you can do that all year round. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just that during the rest of the year, you might have to put in a little bit of extra work to find those opportunities. Um, but usually a lot of like nonprofits um, have, you know, fundraiser drives or whatever throughout the year or volunteer opportunities. And I guess it's just a matter of, liking and following uh organizations that you feel really passionate about their mission and yeah you will see those opportunities pop up Mm -hmm. yeah and I I feel like there is a sense of urgency for me and you know my daughter is heavily involved in serving the uh, houseless population here just because of the weather you know and and the thing is though in the summer it's also equally as dangerous for people uh, Mm. living outside because of the heat. But yeah, I do feel a sense of urgency some around last night when we came out of the Nutcracker, it was very, very cold and it got really, really chilly tonight. And, you know, just thinking about that and, but that shouldn't necessarily be when we think about it. (laughs) You know, it's like winter goes, most of winter is after Christmas. Right. And also like it comes every year. You know, so it's like, you know, something we can plan for. But uh, yeah, that, that is something I think about. And I get a little overwhelmed. I just tend to get overwhelmed in general. <laughs> I'm one of those people. But I do, f- 
for that particular it's not like thing. we have a societal structure that, that puts all of these uh, <laughs> pressures on women that would make us feel overwhelmed. No, I've never heard of that. I definitely I don't experience that at all. That's, de- that's definitely another point to this is like it's often put on on women and mothers yes. to volunteer or I saw this opportunity to donate or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't necessarily see men taking as much initiative mm-hmm. with that. Um, Unless and, maybe it's having to do with business. Like, you know, I feel like well, a lot of times in, in that instance, men are like, oh, you know, I can get involved in this because it's through work and they're giving me the oh, opportunity sure. to do it. But yeah, I do. I do feel like, and I mean, you know, we are moms for social justice, but also, it, you know, the majority of the people who are coming to our events, bringing their young children are definitely women and female identifying folks. Oh, and we've really tried as an organization to um, make sure that we provide and give uh, opportunities throughout the year where you can bring your children mm-hmm. and really, you know, get them involved, both both demonstrating to them, but also letting them take some ownership in, um, in some of these events and initiatives that we have uh, come up with. I'd like to talk about some of those. Mm-hmm. Not all of them are, are easily, you know, replicable in your community with just yourself. But if you could get a group of people together, I think a lot of the things that we've done historically uh, could be done with a relatively small group. Oh, for sure. And, and some of them were opportunities that <clears throat> other organizations provided that we just showed up to, like a, stocking the community fridge. You're probably already taking your kids with you to the grocery store. Maybe throw a few extra things in the cart and show, bring them to the fridge, let them put it in, talk about what is this fridge for, you know. Yeah, so we really try as an organization uh, to provide opportunities and initiatives where you can involve your kid, not only by, by demonstration, by them watching us uh, volunteer and, and work in certain areas, but, but allowing them to take some personal uh, responsibility and autonomy and helping out. And yeah, Mari, can you, I know you have such a good memory for stuff like this. <laughs> I don't like some of the different initiatives that we've done over the years that, that really kids have gotten way into. Yeah, I think one of our biggest ones was the classroom library project, which was our first initiative where we put citing and inviting classroom libraries in classrooms all over the county in our public schools. I can't think of one library that we did where we didn't have kids in attendance, like from very, very young to teenagers, you know, stamping the books before they put them in the library, helping us sweep a little bit and, and really just enjoying the space also after after we put it in. So, that- yeah, that is the nice thing about the library project is it's just, you know, was a couple of hours and then the kids got to see the final result mm-hmm. afterwards. So it was a instant gratification of like seeing that tr- transformation yes. of that space. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- that kind of goes with the next one I was thinking of, which Rosie, you hosted. Well, before and- we move on, oh, I want to just yeah. bring up that, like, also in our particular community, I think that was really powerful for our kids to see um, very clearly some of the disparities in facilities. Yes, mm-hmm. that's very true. Um, you know, because we did all of our classroom libraries in our, you know, historically like under-resourced, mm-hmm. underfunded schools in our county. And so our kids got a very up close and personal look at how facility to facility really changed. You know, why doesn't their computer lab look like our computer mm-hmm. Yes, that's very true. Great opportunity for conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. What else? Well, in Rosie's front yard, we painted two benches for the Chattanooga Urbanist Society because here in our city they decided the city decided that benches were not good and that people slept on them and you know used them as benches too often how dare they so the Chattanooga Urbanist Society puts benches at bus stops um, you know just wooden benches that have been painted and we we painted two and added you know little handprints from kids and you know we had a great great turnout from kids for that because 
allows them to get a little messy, but it's not too, too messy. We were outside. And then yeah. they can see their benches. Um, As they drive at, around town. Yeah. And I think like the most gratifying part is like talking to some of the folks who built and placed the benches. It's like they place a bench and then someone immediately sits down on it and starts using it. That's nice. Again, and cut sort of like instant gratification. Yes. I mean, that's the hard part, I think, with some volunteer opportunities with kids is sometimes they don't get to see the result of their work. And I mean, the, uh, like there's a selfish part to volunteering, right? Yeah. Is that, sure. that like, I did something good. I made a difference. Right. You both attended an invasive plant removal event uh, activity with a local organization. Uh, that was uh, Bridge. Bridge, Bridge yeah. Outdoors at the Beth. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, and that's something that we just kind of being in nature and enjoying that, but also learning that there are species of plants that aren't natural to our area and they harm other plants and maybe some of the animals around. And so like every volunteer opportunity can be a really neat learning experience for kids. Well, and and, and things like that, kids can be a little bit more unsupervised and mm-hmm. kind of uh, go off and, you know... <laughs> Get, uh, get their anger out as they pull privet in mycelium. <laughs> from yeah, I know that I was angrily pulling privet. <laughs> as pull one out. does. I, I, had to, I had to go off by myself for a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think, I think what's important here is what we're describing are, I think it's easier to find ways to give back with your time on a local level. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, if you put the ask out to your circle of people if you can find local organizations you can almost always throughout the year find different ways that you can offer your your time and skill set and you know then you can also check whether or not it's appropriate for you to bring your kids because not not all volunteer opportunities are appropriate to bring your children yes we were thinking of a few of those uh like well, someone in our community, we, we posed a question in our community group on, on Facebook asking this question. And one person did say, like, the food bank is a great place, but that there's a you know age requirement that I believe they said you have to be 16 and up. And a lot of people, you know, have younger kids. And so that opportunity might be out for that particular. Now, you can group. collect food. Um, that's something that we right. did with our Cub Scout Um pack as we collected food in a neighborhood and then we mm-hmm. brought it to the food bank and they gave us and the kids a tour of the food bank and it, it was really interesting I think like they enjoyed it too learning how mm-hmm. they send out these emergency food packages and the area that they serve and how much food like just seeing the quantity of food I think there because it's a huge warehouse where they keep all mm-hmm. that was very impactful to them yeah. so there are yeah there and are ways maybe if the one direct like volunteering with the food bank isn't the way that exactly there might be adjacent ways to right do or that. stocking Absolutely. a food you know pantry or uh fridge community fridge but like yeah like you said you definitely need to i get the hard part with kids is you need to do a little bit of extra digging i remember mm-hmm. one of the organizations uh here called green spaces they're a great organization they do a lot of uh cleanups uh like park or city cleanup so they were doing a cleanup um, around the area of the like community kitchen area and the homeless shelter and that was I saw it was a cold rainy day it must have been like 40 degrees it was pouring down rain and I saw this family uh, with like two young kids the kids must have been like three and four years old and I was just like oh you guys you're you know it's like one of those things where it's like you want to show this to your kids and you want them to do like good in the world but it was like this is not an opportunity for you all please go home you're so sweet to do that right because we're cleaning up like needles and mm-hmm. yeah. tampons and like uh bottles of urine and it just wasn't like an appropriate cleanup right. space for and kids. i think that's a really important point that you're making rosie because you don't want um volunteering to be to feel like a punishment or right. feel like something that right. that your kids are dreading or you know my dad used to make us choose a present from underneath the tree with our name on it without opening it to donate <gasps> which 
as a child, that was very traumatizing. I know he was trying to impart these lessons. Giving back is important. It doesn't matter what it is. But I guess the point that I'm making there is there is a way for you to impart these values Mm -hmm. of of giving and volunteering both um, time, money, and uh, things that that's an, a, a pain point to kids. Right. Right. It should be a positive thing. To your point, Taylor. Okay. <laughs> I so I last year I created this whole chore system for my kids because the thing <clears throat> they wanted uh money and they wanted money for the t- I pre-purchased a bunch of like toys um and basically they could do chores and then they could use the like mom and dad bucks that they earned in the store in our house and our the store only opened on friday and then this is how i like gamified (laughs) it is like if you wanted to restock the store with new items you could choose one of the donation options so like you for ten dollars you know you donate a toy uh, to a dog in the animal shelter or you can buy, you know, this amount of groceries and put it in the food pantry. And, you know, I would obviously, like, supplement that with some more money. But the idea is to get them to, like, mm-hmm. work sure. toward donation. They have never, like, there's nothing in the store other than these donation items. And they've, they refuse to pick it at this point. <laughs> and I think it's because it's... It, it can take a while to earn like ten dollars. You know, if you do like four chores, that's like one dollar. And um, and so it, it's like to them, it's like I've worked so hard for this money, and it's taking me so long. There's no way in hell that I'm gonna buy this dog a toy in the animal shelter. I'm gonna get the Rainbow High doll. It's gonna take me two and a half months to earn it, but that's what I'm gonna do. And so right. it's like yeah, it's too I painful. It's too hard for kids usually to, like, earn money. Mm -hmm. But um, I know, Mari, your daughter has done, like, has a great way of, like, raising money for the cause that she cares about. Maybe if if they're earning money, it's for, like, this very focused. uh, Kids are way, way, way more engaged in, like, we're raising money for this rather than, like, well, you have the option to, like, buy this toy or you can donate the money. Like, obviously, they're going to buy the toy because they're kids. (laughs) Right. And it doesn't mean that they're evil or anything like that. And and I do think it's important to, and and we've all been guilty of this, so this is in no way a judgment towards, you know, what, what people choose to donate. But I think it's important to impart to our, our kids and really to check within ourselves what it is that we're donating, what it is that we're giving, um, and remembering that people who find themselves in a, in a state of wanting in life don't want junk and they right. don't want our broken things either. So I think it's, it's really important to um, impart that to our kids and also as adults to check with the organizations that you want to donate items to. What do they actually need? Yes. Right? That's very true. Yeah. And like you were saying, Rosie, uh, my daughter has a heart for, you know, our homeless population in, in, we visited some of the camps with some people who are trained. I think that's really important. Some of these opportunities maybe aren't accessible for like you're looking for something to do on a Saturday, but maybe your child has a passion about a certain thing, like maybe, you know, the um, the animal shelter, for instance. You could potentially approach them and say, like, we want to spend time here. We want to learn how to help in the best way possible. And maybe, you know, money isn't necessarily something that you have lots of that you can donate, but my daughter makes slime. <laughs> if you have a child, you know what slime is. Uh, and so she made a bunch of different slimes for Valentine's Day and sold them at her school and raised, I think it ended up being like somehow $900 or something. And then, That's you know, wow. going, we contacted a local organization that does outreach to the houseless community and found out what they needed. And they really needed tents, like six people tents, which are pretty pricey and something that they never get really donations of. And they also needed to be new because they, you know, if, if, people, yeah. right, if people have been camping a bunch, we know what the tents look like that Absolutely. are sitting in people's and garages. they're missing stakes yes. and pieces <laughs> and yes. Exactly. So yeah, so she bought, uh, I think it ended up being three tents and then quite a few sleeping bags because that was something else that, that they needed. That is so awesome. Doing something like that allows 
them to help and feel ownership of a cause, but also allows them to participate in a safe and kind of fun way. I mean, you know, she was really proud of herself that she'd raised oh, all that yeah. money. And, yeah, that's wonderful. You know, yeah. So that that's kind of a cool a cool thing. Way and to and know I, what we learned last year is that um, you know by by our close working relationship with our school district, we learned that there are houseless I think children. Last in year community. was like fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's much higher than I even recalled. But um, you know that was really I think sobering for us as mothers, but also for our kids mm-hmm. to understand that they potentially um, or you know quite possibly did have classmates who who are sitting next to them who don't have homes to go to right uh every day so that was that was a really moving i think initiative for Mm -hmm. us to be able to give back and i did want to ask now as as we're kind of thinking in the in this realm uh not that this is like volunteering necessarily but what do you because of you know what we, we see going on in the world and we're seeing a lot of protests happen I'm curious what your thoughts are and if you have brought your kids to protests in the past Mm, and what sort of considerations (laughs) one should think about if they want to bring their kid to a protest. Yeah, that's interesting because that's really the literal catalyst for Moms for Social Justice because it was after the Charlottesville rally, seeing Nazis marching in the streets. Many other cities did something kind of to push back against that and Chattanooga had an event and then there was there were rumors that there might be guns there that it would be unsafe and we many of us and our friends didn't feel comfortable bringing our young kids now I know I believe the women's march there's lots of kids uh you know a lot of us brought our kids to march in the pride parade, which I realize is a little different from a protest. I feel like pride is kind of somewhere in the middle, but yeah, it can be scary. And I think that it's, while it's really important for your kids to see these events, there is a lot of thought that needs to go into, you know, what is safe and, you know, who's could, organizing it? Yeah, what is yeah, the objective that, that's of what the I was protest? Going to say. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You, uh, you as a parent, should one hundred percent feel safe reaching out to the organizers, and um, they should be able to tell you really definitively whether mm-hmm. or not this is something that is, you know, kid friendly or not. But also, if you do decide to to make that decision and attend some kind of protest or demonstration with your child, if while you are there at any point you do start to have a feeling about something or you see things that are making you uncomfortable, uh, I think that the best course of action is just to immediately leave. Mm-hmm. Oh. And that, that has happened you know, to us a couple mm-hmm. of times in the past as well. Yes. And I think we do have to acknowledge that there is privilege in being able to decide whether or not to attend a protest. You know, sometimes you feel such a need to attend because maybe it's your bodily autonomy on the line or something and also having child care to be able to attend the events I know folks that are disabled have a difficulty attending in person so yeah there are a lot of things that go into making those decisions but I think like you all said talking to the organizers you know finding out what what's the goal is the goal to get arrested and cause maybe, you know, the traffic pattern to change (laughs) in an area. And, you know, being a social activist organization, like, I think that we know that there is a place for that. There is a place for disruption. There are different levels of disruption and civil disobedience. And so I think it just, you know, behooves you to figure out where... Yes. Where on the scale Do your due diligence. Yeah. Yeah. And and sometimes, not always, but sometimes the organizers will have, you know, alerted the government officials or police department ahead of time Mm -hmm. to make sure that the space is going to be monitored and and safe. Um, And and sometimes (laughs) the the police force might be there. And, you know, I remember with the the Black Lives Matter protests of the summer of 2020, the police presence as a white woman was very scary. Right. So sometimes they're not, they're there and it it feels like, you know, it's, it's made the event even more, even more heightened. Well, and I I think about too, like 
the uh, when there was a drag uh, brunch kind of at the height of when our state was you know passing all of these laws, these uh, mm-hmm. anti-trans laws, the anti-drag uh, laws, mm-hmm. and so we had to we were. Uh, not protesting, but protecting people that were in attendance. And then there were people who were protesting the event itself. And those people were scary. Um, and, and, and that's a moment where I, I felt grateful that, you know, the, the police department was aware that this was going on and was aware to, or was there to keep the peace between like the two groups and make sure the other group, uh, didn't do anything because they were really scary people that had like, that have you know hordes of guns in their house and stuff like that and just actual say, nazis that actual nazis that covered say super their faces threatening so they couldn't be identified in coordinating khaki pants right because khaki is the scariest a, of all the pants they practice all of their motions it's definitely Wednesday not, night um, a place where you want to be bringing your children no, no. no yeah and i think too like all of these instances that we've talked about, um, you know, places maybe you don't want to bring your kids to volunteer or demonstrate versus places that you do. I think a lot of it comes down to you as the, the parent or caregiver kind of doing that due diligence, like we said, finding out as much as you can about it. If you can't find much about it, maybe it's not the right fit. Because, you know, and, and yeah, you want to feel confident going into it. That's exactly. safe and it's a good situation because it would, you know, while you can leave also like stinks to like pack your kids up, bring oh, their snacks, their water yeah. bottle, their jacket. And you get there and you're like, actually, we're picking up bottles of urine. This isn't a great situation <laughs> for us. We're going to What leave. I signed up for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So doing that, that looking into something and researching beforehand. But then also, I think a really big element is educating your children maybe leading up to the event talk Mm -hmm. about you know have you ever noticed people sleeping on the sidewalk have you ever wondered you know and of course at different ages it's going to be different conversations and you know your family values can you know change the conversation as well but you know I think volunteering just to volunteer is one thing, but at, but using it as a learning opportunity without also being degrading potentially to the, like, especially with the houseless community, you don't, you know, you don't want to be like, look, this person, <laughs> you know, is, you know, homeless or, you know, saying something like that. Uh, we want to uplift the stories exactly, of the people that exactly. need additional right. help, not this lo- person not is just like us, but maybe, you know, something happened in their life that that put them in this terrible situation and there are ways that we can help people like this that you know don't require tons of time or tons of money or tons of resources um you know because I know that that really does stick with kids as they get older um I know one of the people in our community that when we posed the question they said that like they volunteered with their child for years and years and now that she's an adult she makes time to volunteer it's just part of her life and uh yeah I think I think that's really important because I think you know capitalism and individualism has taught us that you know we have to look out for numero uno which is us ourselves our own family which is for sure true but we also have to take care of each other and also, you can do both things. You can, and also, yes, it can enrich your people. life by helping others. Yeah, and I think you know this was brought up at the beginning of the conversation, but I think it warrants you know really spending a little bit of time and talking about it. Is if you do find yourself feeling completely overwhelmed, um, asks for your time, asks for your your money, you know, et cetera, et cetera. In this time of the year, it is important to note that. Um, these communities of need and these organizations that serve these communities of need are in need all year long. Yes. So if you feel overwhelmed right now, you can make um, a plan with your with your kids mm-hmm. to volunteer. You know, you have the MLK Day of Service that's coming up early in the new year. You know, you can make plans to 
to volunteer and make it a priority throughout the year when it's not quite so, you know, taxing on your, on this already crazy schedule. And then it also demonstrates to your children that charitable giving of your, of your time and your resources, your stuff is not just something you do once a year. Exactly. We need to, we need to care for one another all year long. And that's something that we can demonstrate to. And you're not the only, like, you're not just the one person that can go out and volunteer. (laughs) Like if you can't do it right now, there's other people. Yes, can do it. Very, very true. Yeah, and I know one of those instances we talked about earlier was like the little free libraries. Your kids have outgrown a couple books. That happens all throughout the year. You know, maybe kind of adopt one near you or in another area, and just I mean, just taking a book or a couple books that aren't religious tracks yes because that's what I was gonna say the little free library in our park is always filled with nothing but religious books Mm -hmm. and that's you know it's fine to have a few there's a community for that and that's fine but it would be nice to have some more inclusive and representative literature and that is something that you could do with just you and your family on on a Saturday Mm -hmm. that doesn't take any pre-planning or checking with anybody else that's a very simple Mm -hmm. uh, thing that you could do that really could be special for for some kid uh, or adult who Mm -hmm. needs something other than religious (laughs) tracks to read or DVDs Oh, yeah, or even God. even something, and, and again, no Kirk Cameron. I don't want to watch Left Behind. <laughs> oh, I don't. Um, like I'm in a buy nothing group, and so a lot of times I'll just post stuff on the buy nothing group, and the people that come and, and get them, or sometimes I'll drop them off because you know people don't have access to a car or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's always I think it's always eye opening to see. Um, the other the living situation that other people are in and mm-hmm. maybe helpful if if you feel like it's a you know safe area for your kid to come along and drop off the the toy that they they can't use but and knowing rather than like donating to goodwill like knowing that it's going to that this person as this family or this kid is like going to use that item right. as another opportunity yeah you encouraged me to do that, Rosie, and I really got that opportunity with my boys just a couple of weeks ago. I had uh, like two boxes of diapers that my daughter could not use anymore. She had outgrown them. And so I was able to drop off two boxes of diapers to a, a new mom, and my boys were there with me and carried the boxes. And it was just a really, yeah, special, a special mm-hmm. thing to just really help an individual know. yeah mm-hmm. exactly that that was a very deep and immediate need yes and mm-hmm. and we were able to help fill it that was a cool thing mm-hmm. yeah and I think that too is is part of the conversation of how to talk about folks who do have various needs without degrading them right um, and and that can be tricky mostly because I think the way that Maybe it's not the way you all were raised, but the way that I was raised, maybe just don't talk about it and it will be fine (laughs) or Mm. kind of, oh, that's so sad. Right. You know, and I feel like there's a movement to change the way we talk about a lot of these kinds of things. Well, no, I think we can kind of wrap this conversation up because what I have heard overwhelmingly is that... um, giving of time effort and money locally 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 Mm -hmm. is where you can make the biggest impact it's where you can reach out um you know to organizations working directly in your community and it's where those those donations are going to go the farthest you know i looked it up statistically i think americans gave 500 billion dollars in charity in 2022 and um, it's going to be around that same number this year. So my point there is like we have as a, as a society, I think we have the impulse and the desire to get. We just want to make sure that where we're giving and in what we're giving is going to make the most positive impact. And for us, what we have seen over and over again is that that goes the furthest at the local level. One other thing that before we totally wrap that I wanted to add is also just like knowing the boundaries of your own kids, Um, because I I feel like, yeah, we want to impart this important value on our kids. But like my daughter, if I say 
MSJ. She's like, where are you going? Can I come? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm going to a school board meeting. Relax. <laughs> um, but she's like always, that. yeah, she's always on board to volunteer. She always wants to be involved. What is my dog doing I will doing say in that background? she's more mature than half of the adults who attend the school board meeting. <laughs> and some true. of them who are on the school board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, we digress. <laughs> but, but like my son, that would be like really hard for him. Like, well, uh, most of these volunteer opportunities would just be really hard for him just because he's just he's more introverted and just like even doing stuff with our family is really hard like going on a hike is hard for him mm-hmm. you know after like 15 minutes so it's just recognizing that if your kid isn't there yet um mm-hmm. or it or is the type of personality that can't handle these type of things or is neurodivergent or has a disability or whatever like don't feel guilty right uh, it's okay Yes, it is okay. And you will find opportunities that work with every child. Well, thank you both for this conversation today. I was looking forward to it. And I it was really fun to kind of reminisce on some of the things Mm -hmm. that we've done uh, in the past that have been just really rewarding just to our hearts. And I'm looking forward to I don't know, working in the new year with you guys. I know we've got a lot of really cool stuff that we're kind of thinking on in mm-hmm. the next year, and that'll be that'll be a lot of fun to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, until then, yeah, because we're off for the next two weeks. Happy holidays, everyone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we'll see you in the new year. Just a quick story before we close this episode out. My son, who I spoke about just a little bit earlier about not being ready to volunteer, He picked out a book from his school library this week called The Catman of Aleppo by Irene Letham and Kareem Shamshi Basha, illustrated by Yuko Shimizu. It's a true story of a man named Allah, uh, an ambulance driver in the city of Aleppo, Syria, who stays as the city is being bombed to help others. And he finds himself caring for a number of the city's cats who had been left there by their owners who were forced to flee or were killed. It's definitely a look for the helpers type of book. My son and I, we talked about the difficulties that other people in the world face. And even though there are bad things happening, there are many good people who are trying to help their neighbors and their communities. We also talked about that while maybe we can't directly help people on the other side of the world, there are people in our own communities that would benefit from our assistance. My son told me he had some shirts he had grown out of. Could he give those to someone who needed them? He then asked me for a box and proceeded to hold up each shirt from his dresser, determine if it was too small, and then he carefully folded it and put it in the box. After that, he asked me every day if today was the day that we could bring the items to the Chattanooga Free Store, a mutual aid store here in town. When it was the day, he brought the box in himself and walked around the store, seeing how it was organized and all the different things that people could take home. When we got back into the car, he told me that he had other things he wanted to bring next time. Kids want to help. They are generous They want to share, and sometimes it's just a matter of finding an opportunity that speaks to their heart. And I thought this was a great example of how powerful books can be, even life-changing, and why we need to fight to keep books that demonstrate different perspectives and life experiences in our libraries, because you never know what will resonate with someone. Moms for Social Justice is a 501c4. Um, You can find information on how to support us, our work, and our podcast on our website. Um, I hope you all have a great holiday. Enjoy some time with your family, your friends, and we will see you in the new year. Bye.